Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. I, I've said this multiple times. I told the, the, the people that help in youth, the youth ministry staff, I, I've told them this, listen, one thing you need to understand, I am a Detroit Lions fan. Don't boo, don't, just have sympathy, okay? Just feel bad for me, okay? I'm a Detroit Lions fan because I grew up up there up north and, uh, and love Detroit and, and Lions fan years, yay, go Lions. But I've told the youth staff, if, we, if they ever make it to a Super Bowl, ever, 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 y'all have your own Super Bowl party. I'm staying at home in front of the TV to watch the game because this is probably a once in a lifetime moment. So far at my age, it still hasn't happened. They've never been to a Super Bowl. And when I grew up, I watched the Detroit Lions and I had a favorite player and it was a guy named Barry Sanders. Some of you may know that guy, be familiar with that name if you follow football. Barry Sanders was a running back, and he, at that point, was kind of the whole team. I mean, he was Joey Burrow before Joey Burrow was Joey Burrow. But he was a running back. And Barry Sanders was just an amazing guy. And here's the thing. Barry was able to stop and change directions like that. I mean, it was an amazing thing. And I almost bought a video clip for you to see, but I figured that'd be pushing it. So, so, but he would, there's, there, he's playing a guy named Ronnie Lott, who back in the, some of you know these names if you followed football back in the day. And, and, and he's going one way and Ronnie's like ready to light him up. And he was just like, and he was just like, missed him, totally missed him. And, and somebody interviewed Ronnie Lott and he's like, the dude breaks ankles. He's just, he turns and changes and pivots so quickly. And, and that's what happens in our series this week. We are at a pivot moment. We are at a change moment. And as we've been walking through the book of Ephesians, Paul has gone chapter one, two, three, and all of a sudden, he's changing direction. Now, now when I say change direction, he's still going towards the goal of helping us become who we need to be in Christ and understanding what that looks like, that kind of stuff. But the first three chapters of Ephesians has all been, this is what you need to believe. This is what you should believe. This is how you should think. And the fancy term is, it's theological. There's a lot of theology in Chapters 1, 2, and 3. This is what you believe. This is, this is, you know, this is kind of how this works and, and explaining things to us. To go with our theme and series, it's all been blueprints so far. Paul's been putting, drawn, drawn out all the blueprints to let us know, kind of understand how this faith thing, this relationship with Jesus works. He's kind of been laying all that out for us. And now at the beginning of chapter 4, verse 1, he pivots. He makes a change. And we go from kind of belief and thought to this is how this plays out in your life, in my life, in the life of a church. 
So let's kind of walk through these first 16 verses, just kind of a little bit at a time, and uh, look at this pivot that begins to happen in the book of Ephesians. Because really the rest of this series is going to be much more practical about how you live and how you do things and, and how those parts of work out. Because now we're done talking about what you should think and, and understand you need to think before you believe and believe before you act. But this is, this is there. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says this. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. We're going to go slow. Let's stop there. Some of you are worried. It's like, oh my goodness, there's 16 verses. If we stop after every verse, it's going to be 1130 before this service gets out. It'll be okay. So let's stop there. Verse 1 is really that hinge point. And, and, and he's looking at them and saying, hey, listen, as a prisoner for the Lord, I'm in this with you. I'm a prisoner for the Lord. This is who I am. Remember, I, I taught you this. I showed you this. Here we go. And this is Dave's summary of that verse. The summary is this. Live what you believe. Live what you believe. Live what you believe. That's, that's not super complicated because I'm not a super complicated guy. But live what you believe. So what's interesting, depending on what version you, you have, it says, I urge you to live a life, if you're looking at the NIV, but some versions say walk. Walk. And there's part of me that, that likes live a life because that helps me understand, but I like that phrase walk. Walk worthy. Because when I think live a life, sometimes I draw too far back out. In other words, I think of my whole life and I start to panic. I don't know about you because I think, okay, I'm getting older. Students remind me of that all the time. I'm getting older. And if I live a life, I'm, I'm, that's like the huge aerial view. And that can be intimidating because it's like, I don't know if I can live a whole life that way. I live a life worthy. Oh. And, but when I think walk, this part of me is like, wait a second, I can walk. Because I know walking is one step at a time. One small movement at a time. Instead of this broad overview, I'm now walking. So I'm living a life, yes, but I'm walking it, which means today, this afternoon, I take another step to be worthy to, to live a life worthy. I take another step this evening. I take a, a step tonight. I take another step tomorrow. And now, yeah, I'm living my life that way, but it's not overwhelming to me because it's like, okay, I'm walking in this. It's, it's a step-by-step -step thing. It's not this huge, broad, oh my goodness, how am I going to plan my whole life? How am I going to plan next week, tomorrow, this afternoon? You see, when, when it says live, like you, live what you believe, okay, that's hour by hour, minute by minute. It's walking in that, doing that. Not way down the road, but right now. And in the next hour, in the next day, the next week. The, the, other, the other thing, I, I, it says worthy of the calling worthy of the calling. 
Now, before we talk about worthy, let me stop. Because I think some people get this part confused. And they somehow read this as, I have to be worthy. Let me, let me clear, something up, clear something up for you. You're not worthy. You're never going to be worthy. And there's nothing you can be to be worthy. We're not worthy. That's the whole point of grace. That's the reason why we've spent this first three chapters talking about how horrible sin is and the fact that we need a Savior to reconcile us with God. How amazing that is. And if you've never experienced that, let me encourage you to experience that. If you have questions about that, please talk to us. But, but let, me, let me make sure that we get the order right. We accept Jesus we understand how amazing he is and he saves us. He begins to change us. And we realize what an amazing thing that is. And now we're trying to live worthy of that that we've already experienced and we already possess. Because a lot of times what happens is this. I know I've done it. I've watched other people do it. Maybe some of you in this room. It's like, I've got to be worthy of Jesus no, no, you're never going to be worthy. So understand that. So I want to make sure we get, before we t I talk much about this worthy part, I want to get the order right. I do these things because he saved me, not to be saved. I'll say that again because that's important. I do these things because he saved me, not to be saved. So now let's talk about worthy. What's really interesting is the Greek word here is axiom. And, and think in your mind, you know those old weights? The scales? And you put one weight on this side. That's, that's when it talks about worthy. It's talking about adding weight to your life to kind of balance the... To, to balance those scales. And I was trying to think, how could I illustrate how that works? Let, let me give you an example. There was a day a long, long time ago, 24 some years ago, my wife came in and looked at me and said, I have something to tell you. And I was like, okay. She said, you're going to be a dad. And I said, really? <laughs> and we had this conversation and since that moment, there's been a weight on me. I realize I'm a dad. And that's a responsibility. And that's a weight. And that's something I joyfully carry. My kids are wonderful. I love them. And I'm happy. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. All those kind of things. But some of you understand. You found out you were going to be a parent. And there was a weight. Not, not a bad weight, but... There was something you knew. Now, this colors all my decisions. This, this impacts everything. This changes everything. And some of you get that because maybe not children, but now you found that person and you're married. And you said, I do. And with that came this weight. That's not what I meant Shame on you. 
there's this weight. And, and what's interesting is, is when you look at the first three chapters, there's so much weight about who Jesus is and what he's done for us and how he saved us and how we're part of the family and how we have a ministry of reconciliation and all of those things. And he's saying, hey, live with that weight. Live with that weight. One of the things I'm very happy is he didn't say, and here's the 75 things you need to do. Because actually Ephesians doesn't do that. If he just doesn't say, now do this and this and this and this. Now it does give us some directions. But it's not this long list of do's and don'ts. It's live with the weight. Live worthy. Because I don't know if you've noticed this. I deal with teenagers. And I don't know if you're a parent or you were a teenager, so you probably experienced this. If your parents say, here's the rules and give you seven rules you will find loopholes in those rules. Well, you didn't say I couldn't. Well, I did go to the library first. You didn't say I couldn't go somewhere else after that. You said I couldn't be on that video game. I was on this video game. You said no Xbox. I was on my Switch. Some of you actually have no idea what those are. <laughs> Understand something, because that's how we think. But how does it change? And, and I've experienced this, being in a loving relationship in a family where you love and you respect your parents. And you realize you need to honor them. Now it's not about the rules. It's about the weight of being part of that family. As parents, you're like, I want my kids to get to that place. That it's not just a bunch of rules, but they respect and honor me. And that weight and being worthy. Now see, now see, that changes how we live and walk. Because it's not about the rules now, it's about honoring our Father. Honoring the one who saved us. Honoring that one from the first three chapters. Honoring all of that. The last part is, is don't worry, the other points go faster. The other, the other thing is this, called. We're called to something. We're called out of something. We're called out of the world. We're called out of sin. We're called out of the life that we used to live. We're also called into something. We're called into serving, doing what our, our Lord wants us to do. We're called into a family. Pastor Steve talked about that last week in Ephesians chapter 3, that, that we're this family, this body. We're caught out of something and into something. So now let's keep going. Let's, let's keep moving through this. Because he helps us understand some of the things we're called into and out of kind of thing. It says this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 through 6. says this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And let's stop right there. 
you realize he teaches us something really important? And I think what he teaches us here is this. We do this together. We do this walking, this living life, we do this together. Together. If I have one concern and one heartache over all the pandemic stuff, obviously the illness and the sickness and the death, all that kind of stuff, the other thing that breaks my heart is this. Many of us are no longer doing this walk together. We've social distanced ourselves to buy ourselves. We were not meant to be this, to do, walk this life alone. We're supposed to do this together. Because if you look at everything he's talking about here, even the, the, the humble and those kind of things, all of those require other people. It's hard to be humble by yourself. You can't judge humility by yourself. If you're sitting in a room going, I'm humble, you're probably not humble. And there's no way to judge whether you're humble or not. Because you're by yourself. You want to know whether you're humble or not? You go be around somebody for a little while and you'll find out whether you're humble, whether you're bearing with one another. You begin to find out all of those things together. We need to do this thing, church, together. Which means... You should be part of a small group or a class or something. You should have friends that you meet with. You should not just do this one time for one hour, 15 minutes, an hour and a half, or two hours, whatever long we take. You should not just do it this. You need to do this together. If you're in college, you need to be part of crew or something like that. Young life. One of those kind of things. If, if you're in college... You could join one of our small groups too. You can do that. In youth ministry, that's why teenagers, you need to come to youth. Children need to go to children's ministry because we need to do this together. Together. So let's look at what doing it together a little bit looks like. It tells us some things. It tells us, first of all, we need to be humble. As I was reading this, I, I, there was a commentator who was talking about an engine. And I am no mechanic. I know enough to be dangerous. I, I know you put gas in it and that kind of stuff. And he made this analogy with an engine. He's like, if we want the body of Christ, the family of God, us to run the way that we're supposed to run, we need some things. And he said, he thinks they're in here. And he, he makes these analogies. He doesn't talk about like the spark and the fuel. He said God provides that kind of stuff. But there's other things that make an engine run well. And he said for an engine to run well, obviously you need gas and air and all those kind of things. That's combustion. But he said you need oil. Because I just want to point out, if you have no oil in your engine, bad things happen. If my daughter is watching online, if you don't have oil in your engine, bad things happen. Check your oil. 
So oil. Also, what's really important, and I didn't think about this, is tolerance. Back in the olden days, you'd get your engine rebuilt because the pistons would wear down and you need new piston rings and all that kind of stuff. And you'd have, because the tolerances were off. Because it was too loose or too tight and it didn't work right anymore. And the other thing you need to do is coolant. Because I know this from watching my wife, that when there's no coolant in the engine, bad things happen. I used to have a Monte Carlo. Keyword here is used to. Because <laughs> there was no coolant. It wasn't her fault. But there was no coolant in the engine. And there was a block that went... <clears throat> Because if you don't move the heat away, bad things happen. Now here's what's interesting. We have kind of those things. Because it says humility and gentleness. That's like oil, folks. You know what? What humility is this. And humility back then and even today is not one of those things that everybody's like, oh yeah, humility, it's wonderful. Humility is really, no, no, you need to go out and be you, kind of grab the gust, go, you do you. And we think, don't be the doormat, don't be that person. Humility is this. You may have all the power and strength and courage and all those kind of things, but humility, real humility is looking and going, I'm more concerned about you than me. If you think about a really humble person, that's how they operate. I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about what happens to you. I, and I, yeah, I do have the authority or ability or whatever, but I'm humble enough to say, I'm concerned about you, not me. What's interesting is the, the other word there is humble and gentle or gentleness. If you look at the King James, it says meekness. Problem is this, we think of meekness with weakness. Actually, that word, if you understand the biblical concept of that word, it's power under control. It's, it's the same idea as a bit in a horse's mouth. You've got this huge, massive horse that's controlled by this teeny tiny bit. So you've got humility, which is thinking of others, and gentleness, which says, yeah, I've got the power and strength, but... I've got control over this. I'm not going to explode over, all, all over everything and everybody. And I might be able to do this or that, but I'm not going to do that. You know what? That keeps things lubricated. I mean, if you think about it in the body of Christ, the family, the church, the, the, the connections that we make here, how would all of those things change if we were humble and gentle with each other? Not just in, in person, but also on Facebook. Oh, and the people said, amen. We humble, gentle. And here's the thing. Before you feel pretty com comfortable and confident, you do realize that there's a stinking little word in front of humble. You can look it up to make sure that I'm not lying to you. That word is completely Oh, because I'm sort of humble and I can be sort of gentle. Completely. Completely. 
That's the oil. The next thing, some of you are like, even when I was talking about tolerance, you're like, oh yeah, I see where he's going with that one. Patience and bearing with one another. Here's the problem. The bearing with one another, I'll get to in a second. Patience is tough. Having patience with people. Because people are stupid. I'm, I'm nobody in this room or nobody that's watching online, but people are stupid. Have you been to Walmart? Or Kroger? Or Athens? Or Albany? Or Ohio University? Or Columbus? Or Ohio? Or Michigan? Or the United States? Anywhere in the globe? People are stupid. They require patience. And you know what? Probably more stupid people go to church. Some of you are like, I can't believe you just said that. I don't mean unintelligent. I mean, people who come to church, sometimes we do stupid stuff. You know, there's churches that split over color of carpet, right? Because so-and-so sang the wrong song. That's stupid. We need patience. Which means when you're on Facebook and you see that post by somebody, I, I thought they were Christian. They support them politically. Take your pick of who that would be. Because I guarantee you, right now in this room, we have people who would name different people. And online, there'd be people who name different people. They support them. We need patience. We need patience. Because we're a body. We're a family. We, we need patience. And if he left it there, that would be one thing. But then he put bearing with one another. And if he left it there, I'd be okay. Because I can bear with some people. All right, I'll put up with you. But he said, with love. Oh, I got to love them. You know what? There's some people in this room, in this building, in this church, you need to bear with in love. They're not where you're at. They don't understand what you understand. They don't know the history. They don't know who you were. They don't know what's going on. They don't understand. You need to bear with love. The last thing was the coolant. You know, sometimes we need to cool down. We need a little peace. A little peace. There was a story of, of uh, a missionary called Jim Walton, and, and he was trying to, trying to put the New Testament in, in another language. And he was a Bible translator, and he was living in a village, and, and he was struggling. How do I communicate peace? This idea of peace, this bond of peace. How do I communicate that? And, and, and he had this experience and, and he promised the chief a plane ride. Just a 20 minute plane ride up and down and that kind of stuff. He, the plane was going to take the chief from one village to another and it's about a three day walk, but a 20 minute plane ride. And so he, he's like, yeah, yeah. Well, the plane didn't get there on time and it was late. So the chief took off walking. 
Well, the plane arrived, so they sent a runner after the chief. Well, the chief got back, but by the time the chief got back, the plane had already had to leave. Some of you can see that's, that probably is not going to end well. And what was interesting is the missionary recorded the chief when he came back and shared his feelings <laughs> about this whole fiasco. And he was very angry and very frustrated with the guy. And he was like, it just went on and on and on and on and on and on. And he recorded this because he's like, I'm trying to get all these words. And, and, and as he worked on the translation of what the chief was telling him and told him, there was this phrase that kept coming up over and over and over. And he's like, I don't, I don't under, you know, help me understand what this means. And they said, oh, what that means is that your heart and his heart are, there's nothing between them. That your hearts are together. And he was like, that's the phrase. You see, this bond of peace, we are held together by this bond of peace. And there should be nothing between us. Does that mean we have to look at everything the same way? Mm, no. No, God made us one. You do realize there was a one a whole bunch of times in that passage. One heart, one this, one this, one this, one spirit, one baptism, one. God did that for us. We are already one. We are one. Whether you like it or not, Jordan, you and I are one. Whether we like it or not, we're one. God made us that way. Now it's up to us to, to keep that spirit. What's interesting is we move from me to we now. You see, he talked about me. This is me. This is how I operate. Humble, so all those kind of things. Now, let's, now he moves to we. So let's keep going. Don't worry. We're okay. Ephesians 4, 7 through 13 says this. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Whatever, what he does what does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to, to fill the whole universe. So Christ gave himself the apostles to the prophets and the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, Dave's quick translation. We're together, but not identical. Because here's the thing. When you see all those ones, one, 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 there's part of me that says, oh, that means we all have to be the same. Unity and unison are different things. We need to have unity, but we need, we're all different. You may have noticed that already. We're all different. God designed it that way. God made us all different. We moved from this is me and how I function to this is we and how we function. As a body, this is how we function. And what it is is this. God gave gifts to us. It says grace. And what's interesting, it could almost be the grace. God gives us this grace to, to do these things. So if you're a Christian, you, God has given you the grace 
to do something. He names a few of them. Apostles, pastors, teachers, preachers, prophets. He names some of them. And they're kind of leadership role gifts. But they're roles. It's not a significant value. It's a role that they play. See, if we need to do this together, we all need to work together, but we're not all the same. We don't all fulfill the same function. And I tell you that, and I think that's an important distinction because sometimes in the church, we look at somebody else and say, why are they not like me? Why do they not look at things the way I look at things? Because my experience is right. I worship with songs from this decade. They worship from songs with 500 years ago. Or I worship with songs from 100 years ago. The good songs. They worship with, I don't know, pop music or something. I don't know. You know what? We're all different. We're gifted different. We're graced different. We are not identical. Some of us, including some pastors, need to quit looking at other people and saying, we all need to be exactly the same. So if you don't act, look, believe, say, minister the way, exactly the way I do it, you're wrong. That's not what I see here. God gifts and gives and helps us do, gives us the grace to be a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. He mentions a few, but not all. And what are they for? What are they for? To serve and to grow. You know, we were called out of sin in that life to serve and grow. There's an interesting relationship here in this passage between service and growth. You, you do understand that. There's an interesting correlation because, and this is what I've discovered in me, in other people. The more you serve, the more you grow. One of the reasons why youth ministry goes on missions trips, you go on a missions trip, you grow. Some of you have been on a missions trip, adult, youth, whatever. You go on that missions experience, with a church or crew or something, and you go someplace and you do missions and you, and you have a mission and you're serving, you grow. Most of the time out of desperation, but you grow. If you want to grow in your faith, you serve. If you're not growing and you're frustrated, why am I not growing? I should be better. Start serving. You see, because all of these gifts that God already gave and it's in the whole ascended, descendant, all that part in there, you know what that's talking about? Is Christ gets to do what Christ wants. I'll say that again. Christ gets to do what Christ wants. Which means this. If you're whining because you didn't get that gift, He gave you a gift. Be happy and excited and use the one He gave you. If you're sitting there and go, man, I wish I could sing like Seth. Yeah, me too. 
But you know, that's not my gift. That's his gift. Jesus gave it to him and he's using it. Praise God. You may be sitting there. You need to use your gift. Well, Pastor Dave, I, oh, I don't want to hear it. Talk to Jesus. He's the one that gave you the gift. There's people in this room that numbers you love numbers. If I could keep track of numbers all day, you're like, yeah, that would be great. And I'm like, you're crazy. I would go absolutely bonkers. There's some of you that say, oh, I love this. And some of you would look at me and say, to get up in front of people? Oh, no. Mm-mm, never going to happen. Or to hang out with teenagers? No. Or be like Eric and work with kids? No. That's okay. You know what? He gifted us and gave us the grace. So do it. And if you say, I don't know what mine is, time to experiment. Try some things. Ask some questions. I guarantee you, one of the things that Pastor Steve actually really does enjoy is if somebody comes and says, hey, can I make an appointment? And when you walk into his office, you sit down in his chair and say, I'm not sure what my spiritual gifts are, but I know I need to serve. Can you help me find a place to serve? And after he got up off the floor, (laughs) he would say, you bet you, let's find some place. What do you love to do? What do you enjoy? And so so I just want to let you know, we're all in this together, but we don't all do it the same way. We're not identical. It's not like God's not making us robots. He's given us all gifts. He's given us all this grace to function as a body. And as we function as a body, we grow. We grow together and understand who Jesus is together. And we become complete. Individually, we find a sense of completeness. But as a church, we find a sense of completeness. Do you know how many times we struggle as a church because we go, you know, if we could just find somebody that would fill in the blank. Or this ministry is struggling because you say, that's very self-serving, Pastor Dave. You're inviting people to get involved in ministry because it helps you. No. Because you grow when you serve. Got to keep going. So now that we grow when we serve, what happens? What's the result of that? Let's look at Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. It says this, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Dave's translation, here we go. We become strong and effective. It talks about infant. I don't know if you've ever watched a little kid try to learn to walk. Some of you are like, yep, I have. Some of you are like, yep, long, long time ago. Maybe you're looking forward to it. And, and when they first start walking, they, they, they're jiggly. They're unstable. I don't know if you've noticed that. 
it's fun to watch sometimes. It's like, oh, and they, you know what? As we grow in our faith, we start out being unstable. But as we together grow, we get the strength to continue to walk better and stronger individually and as a group. We become strong. It's interesting because it's, it's, it, some, some of you in this room, when you read that passage, you love that phrase, speak the truth in love. And you've wanted to pull that out with your kids and grandkids and people that you work with. And you do understand that that's actually not necessarily a super translation. The best translation is probably truthing in love, which sounds weird, truthing in love, which means this, you live out the truth in your life, loving other people, truthing in love. You hold to the truth, and, and who is the truth? Jesus. So as you walk in this truth, you live this truth out. It's not just speaking, it's living. And here's the cool part. We, we work together, and we get stronger and more effective, because we're all doing our part, and now we're completing the mission that God gave us, which is to share this amazing news with everyone. As a church as a church, as a body of believers. We need to do this together. And we can be strong and effective. You do realize there are thousands of people when you leave that door who don't know the amazing thing that you know. That Jesus loved them, died for them, rose again, and can have an amazing transformative effect in their life on their life, on their future, on their children's future, on their children's children's future. We need to be strong and effective in sharing that message. And we do that together. In the next few weeks, Pastor Steve is going to talk about some of the practical ways that we live our life and do things. But we do it together, all of us, together. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.